Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. If you're new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we're starting a new series called Most Important Things. And as we begin today, I'd like to ask you a question that I want you to take just a few moments to think about. And then I would like to hear some audience responses. Uh, I'd like to hear your answers to this question. So here's my question. If you were to list some of the most important things in life to you, what would make that list? Okay, hold on one second. You guys are ready. I didn't think you'd be that ready. Wow, the 10 o'clock service is ready to go. Okay, so let me clarify um, or narrow this down just a little bit because you could answer that question in a lot of different directions. So let me narrow it down in this way. So I want you to imagine that you are at the end of your life. So you have just a few days left. You still have your mind about you, but your body is failing. And the doctor has called in family and friends. So you are in a hospital room. You've got family and friends around you. And somebody, one of your family, one of your friends, asks you that question. They ask, hey, what are some of the most important things to you? As you look back on your life and you kind of summarize your life, what would you say some of the most important things are for us to know as you kind of leave this world and and we stay here? What should we be focused on? Now, we had somebody said up here, family? Discipline. Discipline. Let go of resentment. Let go of resentment. (laughs) Let go of your bank account number? Or give that to someone like me? Okay, that'd be wonderful. Thank you. Make sure your kids uh, are, have a relationship with Christ. Yes, somebody up front. To be joined with God and Lord Jesus Make sure you have a relationship with Christ, yeah. Faith Say that again. Faith and decisions. Okay, somebody else? Share with them the day you gave your life to Christ. Oh, powerful, powerful thing. Yeah. Anybody else? Most important thing. I mean, you're handed like... Uh, this nugget of truth to them. You're summarizing what you think all of life is, is all about. And I, I think we all can understand there are moments that we think something super important and then a few years later or a few moments later, we go, that's not important. Uh, you can never get it back. Yep. You can't get time back. Okay, so pay attention to what God's doing in your world and his love for you. Those are great suggestions. So continue to think about that throughout this series and throughout today's message. Um, I've been trying to answer that question for myself um, as I, I knew this message is coming. And so I've envisioned myself at the end of my life with family around, with friends around, and, and just trying to think, like, what would I tell the most important people in my life? What would I want them to know? What, what few things would I say? You know what? This is so important. Make sure you focus on this. Make sure you've got this figured out because it is more important than any other thing in life. As I've been processing that, I've been reading what King David said to his son in the Old Testament part of the Bible. If you're not familiar with King David, he was the little guy who took on Goliath and won. He became the second king of the nation of Israel. And God had this very special description for David. God called David a man after God's own heart. 
And God uh, thought a whole lot about David. And we know that David wasn't perfect, but he had a special relationship with God. So David said to his son, when he was on his deathbed, this in 1 Kings chapter 2. He said, Solomon, I'm going where everyone on earth must someday go, meaning I'm about to die. So take courage and be a man. Here's what being a man meant to David. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all of his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. So David narrowed down two of the most important things to him. That was obedience to God's written word. And the more I've processed that, the more I think, you know what, that should be some of the the most important things for anyone who's a Christ follower. That should probably make the list that we tell, tell other people, you know what, you need to read God's written word and you need to obey God's written word. Now, you may or may not agree with that. That may or may not make your list because there are many opinions out there today when it comes to the Bible. There are people who think, you know what, the Bible's a nice book. It's got some nice stories, but it's not all that relevant to our lives. There are people that believe the Bible has some truth in it, it but it's, it's not true everywhere, so we gotta kind of sort through what's true for us, what's not true for us. Then there are people who believe that the Bible is the inspired, infallible word of God, and we should use it for guiding us in our everyday lives. And you can probably guess that that's what I believe about the Bible. But before you assume that I believe that just because I'm a pastor and it's you know kind of job security kind of a thing, uh, listen to this. I read a, a study here recently by George Barna, and he is a research specialist. So he does studies all over uh, the, the world on all kinds of subjects. And a few years ago, he found that 51% of Protestant pastors, and that would be Baptists, Methodists, Lutherans, Presbyterians, 51% of Protestant pastors have a biblical worldview. That means 49% do not. Here's how he defined biblical worldview. He said, it means believing that absolute truth exists, and that truth is based on the Bible. It means believing that Jesus was a sinless man, believing in the literal existence of Satan, believing that God is all-knowing and all-powerful, believing in salvation by grace alone, not by works, and believing that Christians should share their faith with others. All truths found in Scripture but he found that only 51% of Protestant pastors believe in all of that. Now, the group that believes that the Bible is an inspired, infallible word from God is a shrinking group, even among pastors. So I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul said about the Bible. We're gonna spend some time unpacking that this morning. And listen to what he said in 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you don't know much about Paul, Paul was a guy that hated Jesus. He wanted to kill Christians, and God got a hold of his heart and then used him to radically transform the world through the message of Jesus' love. And he was used by God to write much of the New Testament part of the Bible. So in one of the books that he wrote, he said this, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 
He said, all scripture is inspired by God. So how much of scripture did Paul think was inspired by God? All of it, okay? Here's why that is so important for us. If all scripture is not inspired by God, then which parts are? I don't know. I mean, you may read a portion of scripture and say, well, this is certainly inspired by God. And then I may read that same portion of scripture and say, well, that's not inspired by God. Look over here at this. This is inspired by God. If all of it is not inspired by God, then we are left to our opinions to figure out which parts are inspired and which parts aren't. And I got to ask, how many of you need something more than our opinions to bank your eternity on? Anybody want to join me in that? Like, uh, no offense. Like, you have good opinions. I have good opinions sometimes. But we need something more than just our opinions to base our eternity on. That's why Paul says, all scripture is inspired. And he said, all scripture is inspired by who? By God. Okay, so Paul says, hey, God's the one who wrote the Bible. Now, God used over 40 different authors over a 1,500-year time frame to do that, but God's the one who authored the Bible and inspired all of it, not just part of it. Now, I would love for any one of us to take on that challenge. Uh, Take on the challenge. I'd like you to go home today and make out a plan for you to use 40 different authors over a 1,500-year time frame to write one consistent story. Anybody up for that? Whoo, like, man, only God can do that. So again, God wrote the Bible. He inspired all of it for our benefit, not just a part of it. Then Paul continued, he said, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is, what's that next word? True, useful to teach us what is true. Now, we all know that there's a great debate going on in our world right now about truth. There are people that say there's no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is just relative. You know, what's true for you may not be true for somebody else, so you should not push your truth on anybody else. And then there are people who believe that there is absolute truth, and we can know that absolute truth. And that truth applies to everyone everywhere, regardless of what you believe about truth and what your faith system is. If it's true, it's true for everyone. And that's what God teaches through the Bible. There is an absolute truth. And we can know that truth as found in God's written word, God's thoughts captured in print for us. And that truth is applicable, not to just those who follow God and want to believe that truth. It's true for everyone, everywhere, for all times. That's what Paul teaches about the truth found in scripture. So he continues He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is, what's that next word? Wrong in our lives. All right, I have a confession to make this morning. There is something wrong with me. Some of you are snickering. If you're a good friend of mine, you probably know more than just one thing that's wrong with me. But there's something wrong with me and I don't want to offend anybody, but there's something wrong with you as well. And does anybody know what it is? Sin nature. Sin nature. We're sinners, yeah. So scripture says, Romans 3, 23, that everyone has sinned. Like everybody. Everybody everywhere on planet Earth 
except Jesus Christ. Everybody has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So the problem in our lives is that we are sinful and that sin has separated us from God. It's broken our relationship with God. It's broken our relationship with other people. It even hurts us. So that's a problem. And I I know that that's not real popular today. There's a lot of folks that get offended by that and don't like the the thought of being called a sinner or sinful. I actually have a friend who uh, told me recently, he said, you know, I don't like going to church anymore because every time I go to church, I feel like I'm told that I'm a sinner, that there's a problem with me. And I don't want to discourage anybody this morning, but that's the truth. That's the reality. There is a problem. The biggest problem in our world is not that there's some sinful person out there. The biggest problem in my world is that there's sin in here. Me. I'm a sinful person. I make sinful decisions. And those sinful decisions hurt my relationship with God and other people. So that's the problem. And scripture shows us the problem. If we were to stop there, it would be pretty discouraging. But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul continues. And so in verse 24, it says this, yet God, I love those two words. So when scripture identifies a problem, then God steps in. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. So when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we go from sinner to being saint. So we get a a label change in scripture. Now, does that mean that Christ followers are perfect? No, no, absolutely not. We understand we're not perfect. But we understand that we can be transformed. We can be new people. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. So the Bible not only identifies the problem, we're sinful, but it gives us the solution. The solution is we can be transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross for us, not what we have done. We haven't done anything good enough to earn eternal life. We haven't done anything good enough to be transformed into being new people. That's why God stepped in to solve the problem. And the solution is we can be transformed through applying God's truth and putting our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Paul continued. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now, let me give you an example of how the Bible does that in my life. So on a regular basis, I spend time reading this little document right here. So I've put together a little document. I read it every Sunday. I read it in addition to that, beyond Sundays. Um, 
but I have Bible verses on here. I have questions to ask on one side myself to reflect through. And then on the other side, I have this declaration based upon scripture of how I'm going to live that day. This is the way I want to live based upon God's written word. And so every Sunday morning and then beyond that, I read through this. I pray through this. On Sunday specifically, I want to make sure my heart is, is in the right spot. My mind is in the right spot, that, that I'm like presenting God's truth in the way that God wants it to, pre- to be presented, not in the way that Trent wants it to be presented. I want to get out of the way as much as possible. And so there's several verses that I read on a regular basis. 2 Timothy 2.24 is one of them. It says, be patient with difficult people. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Anybody have a difficult person in your life? Work, home, school, Walmart, Publix, wherever. You know, you'll, you'll probably run into somebody this afternoon. So these verses can help you uh, on a regular basis as you deal with difficult people. I try to keep these verses in mind. Do I always keep them in mind when I interact with difficult people? No, there are moments I don't. Um, but there are moments that I do keep them in mind and I, and I allow God to correct me and transform how I interact with people. So here's an example of how that works. So yesterday... I met somebody in our community who was having a bad day. And I would say they would fit into the difficult person category. So they were having a bad day and they decided to take that bad bad day out on me. Now, I just met them in that moment. Um, They were upset about something that I was related to, but I didn't know them. And they kind of let me have it. So my natural response when somebody is letting me have it, like I think unjustly, is to defend myself, to kind of prove why I'm right, they're wrong, to draw my sword. I'm like a Braveheart fan, so I like that kind of analogy, you know, that, hey, I want to draw my verbal sword and I'm about to cut you in half. Now, scripture teaches me that's wrong. That's not a good thing to do. So thankfully, yesterday, while this guy is just like letting me have it, I remembered 2 Timothy and Colossians. Be patient with difficult people. So in that moment, I'm so grateful that God allowed me to remember and apply that so I could be patient and I could forgive, quickly forgive. Like he's having a bad day. I could easily be offended over this. This could break our relationship, this new relationship that's starting out. Um, Or I can go, you know what? I'm just not gonna take offense to that. I'm going to be like a duck and let the water just flow off my back. Like, it's just not going to, it's not going to bother me. I'm just not going to let it bother me. That's why I read this stuff, because that's how I want to live, based upon Scripture. I don't want to live based upon what I naturally do. I want to live based upon what Scripture teaches me to do. And I'm grateful for verses like that that can help correct me when I'm wrong and teach me to do what is right. So if you haven't written down anything today, I would suggest those two verses, you should write them down. Maybe get them tattooed on your forearm, maybe on your forehead. And then when you look in the mirror, you can be reminded of how we should live when we're interacting with people that are challenging at times. So that's what scripture does. It corrects us and it teaches us how to live the way that God wants us to live. Verse 17 Paul says, God uses scripture to prepare and equip 
his people to do every good work. So what good work is coming next Sunday? 3G Sunday is coming. So 3G Sunday is coming, and I love our opportunity on that day to go out into our community and think, you get a whole Sunday. You don't have to listen to me preach. Isn't that exciting? That is so exciting. So on that day, we get to go into our community and be the church in action. And it's not about us gathering here and learning about how to be the church. That's a day where we go and practice being the church. So if you haven't signed up yet, please sign up in the back. doesn't matter if this is your first day coming with us. Sign up. Come help us next week. We'd love to have you help us do that. So sign up and show up. When you sign up, make sure that you show up. Our projects are dependent upon the people who sign up for that. So make sure that you do that. And what time are we supposed to be here next week? 8.15. You were listening to the announcements. Way to go. Okay. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 2.15, so we go back a chapter uh, in one verse, and he says this. He says, work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. So part of our approval from God comes from us being good students of the Bible, Now, that doesn't mean that when we cross from this life into the next, we're going to have to sit down and take a Bible quiz. It doesn't mean that God's going to say, hey, to let you into heaven, you need to quote Leviticus 3.16. If you can, you get in. If you can't, sorry, should have studied harder. That's not what Paul's saying there. Um, What happens when when it comes to faith in Christ is that we get eternal life through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how we gain eternal life. Jesus spoke to the religious leaders last week in Luke 15, and he was challenging them, saying, hey, it's possible for you to know a lot about the Bible, but to not know the God of the Bible. So it's not about how much Bible you know for us to gain eternal life. And the whole idea is not, hey, I'm going to spend time in the Bible. The whole idea is the Bible is going to get into me and transform me. So as Christ followers, our purpose and desire in life should be to be lifelong students of God's written word. We have one manual for life. We have one book that contains God's thoughts in print for us. So we should be students of this one book. And if we do that, if we become lifelong students, I think God will bless us because of it. So listen to what happened for one Old Testament guy by the name of Ezra, because he was a lifelong student of the Bible. Ezra 7, 9 says, the gracious hand of God was on him because Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. Does anybody want God's hand of favor or blessing on their lives? Like I, I would think all of us would want that. You know how that can happen? If we become lifelong students of the Bible, We determined to study it. We determined to obey it. We determined to teach other people how to study it and how to obey it. And that can happen for all of us. Now, 
In a group this size, we've got people in all different places when it comes to the Bible. We have people who really don't know much about the Bible at all, have not spent any time in it. We've got people who've spent a little bit of time in it. We've got people who've spent a lot of time in it, and they know a lot about the Bible, and they should probably be up here instead of me. Let me start with the people who are new to the Bible. Maybe you don't know much about it. Maybe you wish you knew more about it. Here's what I recommend. I recommend that you get a Bible and you spend time reading it every day. And I know that that sounds oversimplified, um, but anybody that knows a lot about the Bible, they've spent time in it on a regular basis. So we have to spend time in the Bible on a regular basis, make it a regular part of our lives. And the cool thing today with technology is if you have a smartphone, you can download a Bible reading app that can help you spend time in the Bible every day. So the one that I use is a ver- version called YouVersion. So a uh, Bible app called YouVersion, spelled Y-O-U version. You can just download that. It has all kinds of Bible reading plans there. If you want to read about depression, you want to read about overcoming fear, you want to read about worry in your life, how to be more of a patient person, you want to read a specific book of the Bible, you want to read the New Testament, you want to read the Old Testament, you want to read the entire Bible, you can find any plan that you want on there, and it will guide you through every day. Just read these verses, uh, study these verses, and then you'll make it your way through reading whatever parts of the Bible you want to read. I've been doing that over the past few years, using that Bible app to read the entire Bible in a year. And I got to tell you how beneficial that is on a regular basis to have God's word washing over my life and mind and my heart. Just made it into the New Testament. So it's, it's just been exciting for me to do that. You can do that as well. Now, if you don't have a smartphone, maybe you have a dumb phone. So here, here's what you need to do. I would say, get a copy of our Bible. I I meet people all the time who say, I don't know what version of the Bible to read, or I don't have a Bible at home. We want to make sure everyone has a Bible that you can understand. So if you need a Bible, we have Bibles at the back of each seating section. There are these Bibles. They, They are our free gift to you. So if you need one, take one. If you know someone who needs one, take one and give it to them. And I highly recommend that that you pick one of these up and have it around you. You might need to get some reading glasses as you do that because, wow, the font is small. But if you need a Bible, it's a great Bible to have. I'm so proud of my son. On October 5th, my son, he's in middle school here at Buddy Taylor's in the seventh grade. And he um, went to school that day on October 5th taking his Bible because it was bring your Bible to school day. And so my son took his Bible to school got picked on a little bit from some kids, but some other kids said, I wish I had a Bible. So you know what my son did? He came here and he took two of these Bibles and he gave them the next day. And I'm so proud of him for that. So again, if you know somebody needs a Bible, take one of ours and and hand them out. Over eight years, we've given almost a thousand Bibles away. And I love to be able to, to get somebody a Bible who needs a Bible. And if you're in that spot where you're using one of our paperback Bibles and you're not exactly sure, like, where do I begin in the Bible? I don't always recommend that a new person start in Genesis. Sounds like that would be the place that you would begin, right? Beginning of the Bible. Where do you read most books? From the beginning, right? That'd be natural. But you'll start reading in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus. You get into Leviticus and you're going to start going, What? What happened? Who did what? And God said, huh? Like, that doesn't make sense. 
So here's a great way to start learning the Bible. You have on your seats, you have a spiritual growth challenge. And that spiritual growth challenge is just a one-page document we make available each week, and it helps us all dig a little deeper in what we're studying on Sundays. So take that home, follow through it throughout the week. There's a Bible reading plan there. There's questions to process through. There's uh, prayer suggestions. There's action item suggestions for you, things that you can do related to that. And it just helps all of us dig a little bit deeper in what we're talking about on Sunday morning. You'll be amazed at how much you can learn about the Bible in a relatively short amount of time if you determine, I'm just going to read the Bible every day and follow a Bible reading plan. And on the Spiritual Growth Challenge, that can help you a lot. Now, there's a lot of people in our congregation here that aren't new to the Bible. And here's my challenge to you. If you're not new to the Bible, you've been a Christ follower for a long time, my challenge to you is to spend time reading the Bible every day. Not all that different than my challenge to to people who are new to the Bible. But here's the thing that you'll find if you're uh, new to the Bible, you'll find as you get more acquainted with the Bible, you'll find that the Bible has a lot of competition in our lives. It, It competes with almost every other thing in life. It competes with good days and bad days and sleepy days. It competes with work. It competes with uh, hobbies and chores at home. It competes with technology, TV, movies, computers, cell phones. It competes with almost every other thing in our lives. And I rarely meet Christ followers who say, I just don't want to spend time in the Bible. I rarely meet people like that. I meet a lot of people who say, I wish I had more time to spend in the Bible. I, I know I need to be in the Bible more, but I, but I struggle to find the time for that. So I understand what that's like. I battle that kind of stuff in my life as well. And so I want to just describe for you what m- one of my struggles is when I determine to read the Bible. So every day I have this, this goal that I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to spend time in it, praying through it, applying its, its truth to my life. My life. And so I wake up with that goal. And then my cell phone calls me. My cell phone, it says, I've been so lonely over the past however many hours you've been asleep. Like you haven't touched me. You haven't talked to me. You haven't listened to me. You haven't opened some of the apps. You haven't looked at the weather. You don't even know if you're supposed to wear a rain jacket today. You haven't looked at the news. You don't even know what happened last night. You haven't looked at your calendar. You don't know what's going to happen today. So you should look at those things first. And I found that when I do, I don't spend the time I need to in my Bible. I found that when I start my day, determined to read scripture, then my day typically goes better. It doesn't mean I always have a great day, but it means I, t- I typically have a better day when I start my day with scripture. And when I don't give into that, my day typically goes worse. So here's what I, I'm doing. I've been doing for a little while now. I've determined that the first app that I'm going to open on my phone is my Bible app. So when I grab my phone, turn it on. There's the temptation. Ooh, what's on my calendar today? Nope, I'm going to ignore that temptation. What's the weather like? Going to ignore that. What's the news? Going to ignore that. I'm going to open my Bible app and I'm going to read. And so I read my daily reading plan. I spend time praying. And then after I'm finished, then I go to all those other things that feel like they're so important in my life. 
That helps me to keep the Bible a priority in my life. Again, am I perfect at it? No, I'm not perfect at it. There are moments that I give in to the calendar. There are moments I give in to the news. Um, But I try to, to do that to keep the Bible a priority in my life. So what will work for you? You have a responsibility to figure out, if you're a Christ follower, figure out how you can make the Bible a priority in your life. Now, let me go back as we close to my original question. So no need to answer, just want you to think. If you were to list some of the most important things in life, what would make that list? Would the Bible, would obedience to the Bible make that list? If you're a Christ follower, I'm suggesting today that those are two of the most important things that should be in our lives and two of the things that we should share with other people. But what would be on that list for you and why? Why would it be there? So next week, we're gonna have an opportunity to live out one of the next most important things and that is serving our community. And Jesus said that he came to serve, not to be served. So as we serve, we are most like Jesus. And what an opportunity we have to go out as an entire church family and serve our community. So super excited about that. What time are we supposed to be here next week? 8.15. 8.15. Fantastic. Um, would you stand with me? And uh, I'm going to pray, and then our worship team's going to close us out today. If you haven't signed up today, make sure that you sign up. And then uh, we'll see you next week. So let's pray. God, thanks so much for your written word. Lord, I'm so grateful that we are not left to our opinions. We are not left to our assumptions. Lord, you have given us your thoughts captured in print. That, That is so incredibly important for us. Like we need to hold on to that truth. We need to spend time in your word. We need to allow it, as Paul said, we need to allow it to teach us what is true. We need to allow it to correct us when we're wrong and to teach us how to live. We need to allow you to use it to prepare us for all the good works that you want us to do. So Lord, we need to become lifelong students of your written word. And yet every day there's a temptation, there's this Uh, challenge this this competition that comes against the Bible and the Bible competes with every other thing in our lives. And yet, God, we need to figure out how to make it a priority so that you can transform us through it. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us do that in real practical ways. Help us to identify the things that stand as obstacles between us and spending more time in your word and help us to deal with those obstacles become lifelong students of the Bible. And Lord, I know as we do that, your hand of blessing, your hand of favor will be on our lives. So Lord, we pray that you would always speak to us through your written word and transform us through it. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen.